and welcome to this week's What a Scream, the podcast where I, your host, Igraine, chats to a special guest every week about horror films, obviously, um, and we discuss and dissect two particular films that have to do with a random subject that I've previously chosen. Um, so this week is sci-fi week. Um, it is a subject that I am quite divisive on. Um, I really like uh, sci-fi that basically stems from Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Um, so I really like that scientific uh, medical side of sci-fi. I am not into aliens. I do not like alien horror. I don't like alien sci-fi. I am not a fan in the slightest. It just bores me. Um, I, yeah, it's just, it goes over my head. I'm, I'm kind of like, man, I think the most sci-fi that I've ever enjoyed would be like Jason in space. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was a big fan of that back in the day. Um, so yeah, that would be my extent of like outer space sci-fi. Um, so my guest this week is Dylan McFry and together we are chatting about uh, two different sides of the sci-fi spectrum. So Dylan chose Alien of course, the ultimate alien horror. And I chose uh, The Fly by David Cronenberg, starring Jeff, Gum, Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis, um, as that is one of my favourite sci-fi Frankenstein-esque movies. Um, yes, I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think about sci-fi. Are you a fan of alien outer space sci-fi? Does that freak you out? I think that's my problem. It just doesn't freak me out all that much. Um, I'm pretty sure if there were aliens out there, they'd take one look at us and go, eh, you know what? We're just going to stay away from them. They kind of look like, you know, they're about to implode themselves. It's all good. We're off. I really don't think they're ever going to invade us. I really, I think there are better planets out there with better resources. Um, better beings. So I think we're safe from the alien guys. Whereas I think we're constantly under threat from ourselves. And that's why I, I like Frankenstein-esque sci-fi so much. Um, so yes, here it is, my chat with Dylan McFry about sci-fi. So I would like to welcome to what a scream, Dylan McFry, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How's your little corner in the world? It is cooling off a little bit. We had a lot of rain from the hurricane that was hitting the southern part of the U.S. here recently, and it's brought a little bit of almost fall-like chill to the air. And normally down here in the southern U.S., that does not last, so I'm sure we'll get hit with, you know, 90s and 100s again every day coming up soon. But other than that, it's been pretty calm, I guess. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, we've been getting quite cold weather um, in Ireland, which is kind of unusual because usually it's still quite warm at this yeah. time. So it's a bit cold. It's kind of nice because now is, you know, spooky season time and not that we need an excuse to like watch horror, but it just feels more atmospheric. <laughs> no kidding. Like we down here, we have not had very cold Halloweens lately. I think cold weather has been jumping back more and more as the years go on like now it's probably thanksgiving before we really start seeing a lot of coldness halloween's been almost warm so if we can get a cold halloween that would be amazing yeah definitely um so would you like to introduce yourself to listeners of the podcast and tell us what you do uh, absolutely uh so again my name is dylan mcfry i am a high school science teacher in calhoun georgia in the united states uh, if you can't tell by my voice, I don't think it comes through quite as strong as some people I'm around, but the Southern accent is real. Um, I, like I said, I teach high school. I do love that job. I just moved recently. I am getting married on Halloween this year, so it's coming up very fast. Uh, so obviously we're big Halloween people. I got engaged in Salem, Massachusetts this past, um, it was actually last October. Mm -hmm. That's been a lot of fun, and currently I also am a co-host on a podcast that we created called the Drunken Drive-In Podcast, and it is a movie review podcast, which there's that's never been done before, so I think we're really on to something original here. I think we're really going to stick out, <laughs> but um, all joking aside, we, we didn't want to, we've almost did a horror movie podcast, but we decided that we really wanted to just do all genres, mm -hmm. so we really kept it open, so we've done everything from The Witch and 
what else we've done freaky and army of the dead so we fit in some horror but at the same time we also just did true lies with arnold schwarzenegger and we've done grand torino and other things so we kind of span the whole list of genres and the drunken part comes and we also try to drink and review an alcohol along with the movie and hope we try as much as possible to use one that was featured in the film itself okay. or at least inspired by it yeah that's great and do you find it's easier to review with alcohol or are you slightly like because i've tried a few times you know there's been a few episodes where i've definitely had a drink and yeah. i listen back and i'm like oh dear oh dear god <laughs> <laughs> dev it um it's kind of hit or miss um because we try as much as possible to record multiple episodes at once like it'd be great to just meet and knock out one and that be it but we usually do two usually three at least mm -hmm. so usually by the third episode depending on what the drinks that were picked were i am definitely feeling it <laughs> so that was it's, it's it's a journey but it, it can help sometimes but also hurt at times too <laughs> and where did your love of horror begin do you remember what the first horror film was that you saw Yes, and it is actually to this day probably probably my favorite horror movie of all time still, I think, because of this. But as I couldn't tell you how young I was, but uh, It from 1990, which I know technically is a miniseries, but that's, that's the favorite. Just because I watched it when I was so young, so way too young to have watched something like that. I think that's everybody's horror story to a degree. Yeah. but it was we watched that i was terrified of clowns it made me scared to go in the bathroom because i was scared the clown was going to come out of the drain and get me but just that movie that was the one that i think it started it all and then also just being young in the 90s uh, goosebumps was a big influence on me i think just from that and then jumping off of it and learning who stephen king was and oh that's the guy that wrote this book that this awesome clown movie was based on so going from Goosebumps to Stephen King, I think it was, I was hooked ever since. Yeah. I didn't watch it until much later in my kind of horror journey. But I remember um, one of my babysitters telling me about it when mm -hmm. I was younger and saying like, oh, he comes up from like the, the, the sink or the toilet. And I was petrified to go to the toilet for weeks afterwards. And that was just someone telling me about it, like not actually seeing it. Um, uh. How do you feel about the It's remake? Um, I have, I guess I would call it mixed feelings. And I had the opposite reaction to both chapter one and chapter two. Mm -hmm. The first movie, I didn't like it that much the first mm -hmm. time I saw it. Like, I didn't hate it, but I was definitely, wasn't my favorite. I think I was still thinking about the original and just my love for it. Um, but the more I've watched it since, the more I like it. So this is part one. Like I've watched it a few times since then. And every single time I watch it, I like it more and more. Mm -hmm. Like there's still, I'm still not huge in the whole really choppy CGI type mm -hmm. shots, but, and it has those moments, but I, again, I like it more that I watch it. Chapter two is the direct office. I remember walking out of the theaters after seeing chapter two going, that was the best they ever could have adapted this. And every time I've watched it since, I like it less and less. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure about, I guess because in my head, I'm such like a Tim Curry stand that I'm just like, I can't get behind Guard Guard as Pennywise. And I'm kind of very with you on this. I just did not like the CGI of it all. I just, yeah, yeah I'm not a CGI fan anyway. Um, I'm very into practical effects. But I just, I just couldn't get past it. And so it kind of lost the the original kind of something that the original had which was like downright scariness because it was real because it was all practical effects yeah from like a few stop animation kind of bits but it just didn't have that same like factor that the original had yeah it was i heard somebody i don't even remember who it was i listened to so many horror movie podcasts and things like that but someone mentioned that scars guards pennywise just looked so threatening and so scary because the whole point of the clown back in the day was to draw children to him because yeah. you know back in like the 50s or whatever clowns were sort of seen as like clowns are for kids parties and kids yeah. love clowns so tim curry had he was so scary but at the same time in such a weird way and that you could picture kids like coming up to him and be like yeah i want a balloon yeah. and just wreaking havoc that way scars guard is like i don't want anything to do with this guy <laughs> Yeah, you definitely hit the nail on the head there because clowns are meant to be like, as you said, kind of welcoming to children. But 
Tim Curry had that uncanny thing about him that you're like, okay, he looks kind of okay, but there's something quite not right with him. And that's why it's really fucking scary. Whereas like Skarsgård, you're just like, oh no, that's a big nope. Like, absolutely. Yeah, like Curry is so charming. And I think everybody just loves Tim Curry so much that it's like, I wouldn't hang out with Tim Curry as a clown. Versus Skarsgård and what I've seen him in otherwise, he seems really cool. He seems very, like a very great performer, but there's definitely a, like a, evilness to him almost that makes him like he's kind of scary yeah absolutely um so let's uh move on to our theme for this episode and i guess you being a science teacher is quite quite a good match um (laughs) so the theme for this week is uh sci-fi horror aka science fiction horror um are you a fan of this type of horror i am um i've i don't know if i could really rattle off a list of a lot of the good ones I've seen, but I've always appreciated science fiction. I think it's it's rooted in reality enough to where it's just, because it's so, like, it's all, it feels possible, because, like, we're not there yet. It's like, maybe we fast forward 100, 200, 300 years, we might have spaceships that can take us into space, and we discover new mm-hmm. weird critters out in the open. So it's, it's, there's such a possibility to it. I think it really raises the fear factor of it. Yeah, I um, see for me, there's like the two sides of science fiction. There's like the alien kind of genre of science fiction, but then yeah. there is more kind of like the Frankenstein style science fiction. Yeah. And I'm very much a fan of the Frankenstein style because I'm yeah. just a fan of uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. I don't like aliens and I don't yeah. get the thing with aliens in space. It's just, I feel like I say this a lot on the podcast about certain subgenres, but I'm just not a fan. Um, so it was kind of interesting looking at the two uh, like sides to science fiction horror. Um, yes. So in your opinion, what divides straightforward science fiction, such as like a space odyssey from horror? sci-fi oh that is a really good question it's i think science fiction is concerned which i mean both of them really science fiction and science fiction horror they look to introduce a concept of possibilities Mm -hmm. and it's a possibility of what if fill in the blank like what if humans could create humans from spare parts or what if humans could make a ship and go into space and grab an egg and take it back and all this Mm -hmm. i think where you veer into horror is when you really start to explore just how many things can go wrong Mm -hmm. because science fiction a science fiction movie could be about some you know somebody builds a robot and it goes on to run for president or something and wins so it could be like an eerie element to it but not full-on horror versus science fiction horror is you know you have a acid bleeding alien chasing you around a spaceship and or something like a frankenstein now he's rampaging on the loose and you can get to horror very quickly yeah and we we see with a lot of horror it's kind of um a reflection of what is happening perhaps in socioeconomic ways and um kind of like political ways where do you think science fiction is born from when it comes to like what's actually happening in the world maybe our fear of maybe unknown entities being able to affect the way we live or it's maybe even that something that should be used to further the betterment of humans as a species and it flips it on its head and instead makes something that is just horrific to the point of it is actively killing people yeah um yeah that's a really good point i mean it's you know if you look at like the the b movies and like the sci-fi of like the 50s and 60s it was definitely this like fear of you know communist invasions and you know kind of the way um but I always find it really interesting to look at the sci-fi horror of later years, like the 80s and the 90s and the, the 70s, and just what was happening in that world, which I'm sure we'll discuss when we talk about these two films. Um, so let's start with your pick. Would you like to introduce it and give us a brief synopsis? Absolutely. Um, I picked uh, the great Ridley Scott's classic sci-fi 
horror tale from, I want to say, 1979. And again, I, with my laptop having died, all of my nice copious <laughs> notes are sitting behind a black screen. So I'm going to have to go off memory for this one. Uh, but I, uh, I chose Alien for this because I actually, this might be bad to admit, but I saw Alien for the very first time this year, 2021. Oh. It took me, I've seen bits and pieces of them over the years, mm -hmm. and I think I'd seen most of Alien 3 just on, I guess, sci-fi channel at some point. Yeah. But I had never really seen all of them start to finish, and Alien was one of those. Like, I knew sort of the major hits of it. I knew the plot. I knew there's the xenomorph, but I'd never actually sat and watched it start to finish. So I actually got to see it completely. I actually watched Aliens, the sequel, as well. Mm -hmm. And I have something to say about that one, too. But as far as the original Alien, loved it, scared me so badly. But for a synopsis, it is basically just this futuristic, I don't know if you call them a research team, but humans, they're on a ship and they're going through space and they get a call to travel to another planet and investigate something that's been found there. Another team is gone and haven't heard from them in a bit. They're like, what? What's happened to them? We need you to go check this out. And they find all of these crazy looking eggs and something bursts from one of them and lands on one of the crew members face shield. Mm -hmm. And the story really just goes from there. They end up with bringing the afflicted passenger back on board. They're checking him out. He wakes up. He seems fine. But then things start to go sideways. And then you really start to explore how can you get away from something if you're trapped in a spaceship with it? Mm -hmm. So it's really this crew struggle to survive against something that they don't understand in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, so are you a fan of alien? Like, would you say that even though you've, you've only seen it recently, are you a fan of alien? I was a massive fan of it. I think that's why when you told me the theme of this one, that's immediately what my mind jumped mm -hmm. to. I loved Aliens so much, and there's a reason behind it. I don't know if I need to save that for later or just dive into it now, but there was a particular reason it jumped out to me, mm -hmm. but it was, yes, to answer your question, before I ramble too much, yes, I loved it. Now, what was the reason why you loved it so much? It felt to me, it felt like a horror movie to me, and I think that the bits I've seen of other Alien movies, it did not seem the same way. And it was such, it was almost like Jaws in a way, and that you didn't see the actual Xenomorph that much. He did definitely pop up and show up on screen, but it was very quick. It was very flashy. It was almost jump scare worthy. Yeah. And it was like a stalking horror movie, and it was so claustrophobic because they literally have nowhere to go. They're stuck on a spaceship with this thing. And then I just loved the whole fact. I always knew the aliens had like the acid blood. Yeah, but they there was a purpose for it in the story because like some of the filmmakers were talking like we needed a reason why these people couldn't just pull out machine guns and blow the thing away in two yeah. seconds. So they came up with acid blood because they shot at it at one point and it starts bleeding and the acid literally is just eating through floor after floor of this ship mm -hmm. and they're like oh my god like we cannot hurt this thing. Yeah, and it was so like the scene with Dallas crawling through the pipes, mm -hmm. looking at the vents and he has his flamethrower that scene like i i have not gasped in a long time watching a movie i think i actually made a noise I was, <laughs> it was so horrifying yeah the thing like i as i said i'm not a massive fan of like aliens or outer space stuff i'm just you know um but i can appreciate alien because it has it's you know it's it's in space and it's aliens and blah 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 but it almost has a slasher element to it. You yeah. know, there is an unknown villain stalking this group of people and it picks them off one by one. And mm -hmm. ultimately we are left with a final girl, basically. Yep. Ripley, our, our main character played by Sigourney Weaver, is the archetypal final girl who has to face off with the villain and kill it. Um. And so I can really appreciate that. And the fact that, like you said, I mean, apparently the writers and Ridley Scott was heavily influenced by Jaws, which you can yeah. definitely, definitely see. And it's great. And it kind of takes all the best things of a creature feature like Jaws, um, where, you know, Jaws made people scared to go into the water. 
I mean, not that the average person is going to go into space, but yeah. <laughs> Alien definitely makes you think, well, should we be exploring space? Because, you know, it, it's very likely something like this may happen. <laughs> Oh, I know. And it's like, it's all, it's completely past the view. Like I'm scared of space because maybe like regular science fiction, I don't want my ship to blow up. I don't yeah. want to get lost in space or whatever. It's like, I really don't want to be chased by this thing, which I think the Xenomorph might be one of the scariest film creations ever. Mm. Like if that thing was coming after me, I would, I don't know. I would just probably jump out of the ship. Like I would just get sucked out in space. Like just take me now. Like I do not want to deal with this. Yeah, the so the aliens and the kind of alien design was done by H.R. Geiger, who's a very famous kind of artist who marries kind of biomechanical organic stuff. Um, and the thing that strikes me about this design is it's very reproductive organ-like. You know, yeah. it's all it's all penises, it's all vaginas, and it's just mm -hmm. and there's something about that. It makes it even scarier like you do not want this giant penis thing coming towards you with teeth upon teeth like yes no and the eggs looking like you know i think that's why it is so weird and uncanny to us because it's like things shouldn't be shaped like that <laughs> yeah like why is its head that long <laughs> and it's there's the scene later on and again this was this is going to kind of make me seem uninformed but again without my notes ability in front of me i can't remember um a character's name but it's one the other female on board other lambert. than ripley lambert yes she's yeah. one of the she's actually i guess the next to last one who ends mm -hmm. up getting killed or the last one in the group that almost survives the ordeal yeah. but her death scene they cut it so quick but it's very sexual and how they present it because you know you have the xenomorph has has her cornered and you see that quick shot of like part of its body like rising up and then you just hear her scream and like what the hell is going on yeah and why in your opinion do they think they they made the creature design that way uh, i don't know if they had some ulterior motive if that had any sort of i guess mo if there was any motivation behind mm -hmm. its design other than it just looked terrifying yeah. But it was maybe it just it definitely added to the powerlessness of it because without their guns, like they couldn't use their big bad guns to stop this thing, and they there wasn't much they could do. And it, as it's picking them off, you realize they have so little to fight this thing with. Yeah. And then you get down to the scene where Lambert's cornered, and it, it's tragic because like there's literally nothing she can do. Mm -hmm. I read somewhere that, and like I kind of want your opinion on this that. Um, yes. The Ridley Scott and some of the kind of uh, visual designers wanted to represent um, kind of male sexual assault and that they kind of flipped it in, you know, what if the tables were turned? What if, you know, I mean, in a lot of horror films, we see female sexual assault, but what if we flipped <laughs> it? And so it is a man being... Um, assaulted if you like having something put inside his body yes he doesn't necessarily want and you know wants to get rid of and you know all this kind of it's got a lot of like undertones of like bodily autonomy and uh, sexual assault um what do you think of that i could definitely see that because um john hurt his uh his character is the first one he's the one that has the the baby alien latch onto his helmet and yeah. you think he's fine because he's, I guess he's in a coma for a while, but then he wakes up and he's like, yeah. Oh, I feel okay. And then we have the, probably one of the most infamous horror movie scenes of all time. The dinner scene and the chest burster appears, yeah. which knowing about that scene, like I know that scene backwards and forwards, still yeah. seeing it in the context of the entire film. was sh So shocking. Yeah. And just how they did it. But I could definitely say that it was almost in a way, like if you approach the, theme of like a sexual assault even from a female perspective mm -hmm. and then it it's timely now when you have certain states in the united states currently like to pass laws restricting abortion rights to a ridiculous degree and i got i, I can get vibes of almost being stuck with the progeny of someone who assaulted you because that thing is stuck in him he has no say over it, and then it bursts out and kills him like everything about him is affected by what happened to him 
-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that when you, I mean, it's a scary scene from the get go anyway, because it's like this, A, the very first scene where the face hugger like breaks through his glass helmet and like attaches Ugh. himself and it's like artificially letting him breathe. And it just looks so scary because you don't know what it is. This like crab like spider thing is stuck in his <laughs> face. And then you think it's okay. And that's when it bursts forth and it's like this forced reproduction. And it's just <laughs> when you start looking into the undertones of it, it's even scarier. And you're like, well, shit, Ridley. <laughs> like, <laughs> gonna I just want to watch. I just want to watch some aliens, man. Yeah. Um, so the actual character design of the aliens, I know we chat we chat about like the phallic symbolism of it, but it's also got a very organic kind of insect-like beetle cockroachy like feel to it. And especially when we think about how hard it is to kill. Um, do you think that kind of adds to its scariness as well? Absolutely. It's like it, it evokes the same feeling of if you're in your own home and you see like a cockroach crawling because cockroaches, they're so intimidating. They're so, na yeah, it, it makes you feel nasty and yeah. sort of along our assault allegories, like it makes you feel violated. It's yeah. this feeling of there is something in my home or in my property and my space that should not be here. I don't want any part of this. Mm -hmm. This like I had no say in this. And it, it's so threatening looking and it's, there's like a nastiness to it. It's like, ugh, it's the same insect feeling. Yeah. I mean, I, we don't really get cockroaches here in Ireland unless it's like really, really bad. But yeah. I lived in Australia for a little bit where it is. Oh my gosh. Cockroaches everywhere. They're so common. You get everything. And I wish everything tries to kill you in Australia. Um, <laughs> but I remember the house I lived in, there was this one cockroach that used to come out at night and it would like scuttle over your feet in the kitchen and it would terrify me and i remember one night this is going to sound really crazy i remember one night i literally camped out in the kitchen with a butcher's knife and waited <laughs> for it to come out and just like got it but every time i see that face hugger and then the little alien the little chest burster like i just mm -hmm. get that same kind of like oh like that same shiver that same like grossness and it's yeah. i Something about the image of you sitting in the kitchen at night waiting for a cockroach to appear with a butcher knife really gave me the idea for a very quick, like 60 to 70 minute, like psychological horror film about somebody being stranded in a cabin and they're like hunting this thing. I don't know. I just got major like pendant movie vibes from that story. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should like, maybe we should write this uh, short film. We might do this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's chat about the team and the characters and the actors and what they kind of bring to the table when it comes to this film. What do you think of this team? They're they're almost like um, I I saw them described as like space truckers. You know, they're they're not scientists. They're like engineers, and it's a captain, and they're all quite a rough and tumble crowd, apart from. Uh, Ash, the science officer. Um, what do you think of the team? I I was a big fan of the team for that very reason because it's I don't want to say like nerds, but like it's a it's like everyday people in a way. Yeah. And it is it's not like super brainy scientist people. Mm -hmm. It's it's almost like people that you feel you can get behind. Yeah. It's yeah. like just normal regular people that you might rub shoulders with on any given day. And you just, you have the chance to see them. And also it gives a chance to, it's like they're at a disadvantage from the beginning because maybe a group of like enhanced scientists, very accomplished scientists might have immediately like devised some way to escape the situation or contain the alien. But these are like regular people. They just work on ships. Like they're, they're not qualified to deal with this. So immediately they're in over their head. Yeah. I like yourself I really kind of related to them as characters like I find that when you're in when you're watching a movie especially a horror film and there's these characters who are a like super intelligent super scientists or like they're b very very beautiful Hollywood actors yeah it's really difficult to connect with them and to relate to them and so when 
you know, if something happens in the film, you're just kind of like, mm, I don't really care. Whereas with the characters in Alien, I, I like I really related to them because I'm like, okay, I'm from a similar class system, or you know, I, I can understand why like Lambert is quite I hate using this word, but like she's the hysterical woman you know she's the one that screams and cries a lot which is like a completely natural reaction to what is happening um but then we also have Ripley who is quite stoic and she's quite by the book and she's like the good girl which plays into this final girl character of being good being by the book you know not being a rebel um and so I just found characters really endearing so when things happen to them I was really upset like I was really upset when the captain and it was re- and again, like you said, it was a really scary moment when the captain was taken in the in the yeah yeah. Dallas's death scene is uh, Tom Skerritt. Um, that guy, I-, I know he's been in a lot of movies. I really haven't seen a lot of movies he's mm-hmm. in, but I like how he was very reserved. Like when I first, I I used to look up things, even though I hadn't seen it. Like I would mm-hmm. try to look up things about the movie, and when I heard about this character Dallas, I always pictured him being. Sort of like this meathead macho type mm-hmm. of dude, almost like someone like Dwayne Johnson playing his wrestling yeah. character, The Rock, just <laughs> over the top. But he was so reserved and so yeah. quiet, and he was he was like a regular dude, like the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And I remember being very affected uh, by uh, the late great Harry Dean Stanton's character Brett, yeah. his death yeah. scene, like looking for and I've, why can I remember the cat's name? Oh, what is the cat? Jones? God, Jonesy, yes, of course. <laughs> He's looking for Jonesy, and that scene, because that's the first scene we see the fully grown xenomorph, and I just remember, I knew it was coming. I was so worried about the cat at the same time, like I was really afraid the cat was going to get taken by yes, but he just seemed so harmless, and just like, almost like an an uncle or a grandpa or something. It's like, I don't want anything bad to happen to this guy, and sure enough, he's the first one to go. Yeah, I, yeah, and I just... I had so much empathy for all the characters, apart from Ash, which I guess we should kind of move on to because that plays into one of the twists in the films, which Indeed. is we find out Ash isn't actually a person. He is an android. Um, so what did you think of that twist? Um, I'd, I knew some about the movie, but that was one I did not picture i knew something seemed off about him yeah i don't know if i would have gone as far as to say that i would have pictured like i would have guessed that he was an android yeah. but i def- something definitely seemed off about him he seemed a little too into what was going on mm. but it definitely made it a very fine science fiction touch to the proceedings because he was he added to and he helped explain the whole concept of the reason mother was against them and he could reveal the real reason why they were brought out there and they were just they're like they were fodder almost like pigs to the slaughter in a way like they wanted those eggs they didn't care what happened to any of these people like they were just they were being exploited yeah i really like the way they kind of used him as like a red herring as well so like when um john hurt's character gets the uh face hugger on him and Lambert and Dallas are with him and they're like, open the hatch, open the hatch. And Ripley's like, I can't, like, it's going to break quarantine. Like, I cannot let you in. Um, and it's actually Ash that lets them in. And when she questions him about it, he's like, oh, I couldn't leave them out there. Like, what would you have done? You know, and it gives us this, oh, maybe he is like, even though he is, he comes across as quite kind of, you know, um, unfeeling, kind of unemotional, not quite on the same level as the other members of the team but maybe that's because he's the science guy um yep. and that gave him a little bit of humanity but then as it goes on we start to get that kind of uncanny feeling about him and it starts coming and then we see like the white sweat almost uh, that is probably one of the grossest things it's so weird like in a film about aliens with like acidic bright green blood for some reason ash's like white blood sweat stuff milk that comes out of him really freaks me out yeah it actually once i got into watching the fly and that when i saw the some of the puking scenes i was like oh that makes me think of the blood from ash from alien (laughs) um (laughs) so yeah i i really um thought ian home in this was fantastic as ash like it was just such a nuanced performance that it didn't give it away from the get-go i really really liked his performance 
it was very good because he he imbued Ash with enough humanity that you couldn't immediately guess, oh, this is a robot. Yeah. But he also held enough emotion to make you suspicious of him. So he both turned you off of him, but turned you onto him at the same time. So that really takes a fine actor, I think, to pull that off. Yeah. Um. So this might be a bit of a difficult question, but what do you think is the central message of Alien? Um, trying to think of a way to word this concisely. And I can't, I can't think of a particular term to use for like this entity that I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like I have to go with corporations. So I'm, I bet just, okay, I bet yeah, feels yeah, right. Yeah. So I'm going to go with that. Corporations will exploit working class people for financial gain at any cost. Mm-hmm. Like, Unnamed entities, if they think they can make discoveries, if they think they can make groundbreaking scientific discoveries, financial, anything that they think will benefit them in some way, they will not care who dies in the process. Like they would wipe out 50 crews just like this to get that xenomorph egg or that specimen or whatever they were specifically after. I think it's just something about the exploitation of workforce labor to the point of even not caring about their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I would have said the same thing, um, especially thinking about perhaps the culture that Alien came from. Um, so back in like the late 70s, we were heading into the 80s where, um, you know, corporations and capitalism was really starting to gain traction and was becoming like a massive thing in America and whereas before science fiction like we said previously it was come out of a fear of the Russians or the communists or you know alien people whereas now the science fiction that came from this late 70s film it was really concentrating on what we don't know about what we think we know. So, you yeah. know, the, if we relate it back to the film, the film, the, the crew thought they knew who they were working for and what they were working for and what they yeah. was. Whereas it turns out it wasn't that at all and it was something completely different and it put them in danger and the corporation didn't care at all and i feel that's what the state of uh, especially america was going through at the time yeah I think, I think that was the central message that uh ridley was trying to kind of get across yeah it's so tragic because they're they all they're all lied to to carry out something that was obviously extremely dangerous to their well-being and they don't know what they're going into because this person or entity or corporation or whatever mm-hmm. told them, hey, this is this run of the mill. Go see what's going on here. Come right back. They had no idea what they were actually sent there to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I want to point out, too, just you talked about the final girl with uh, mm-hmm. Sigourney Weaver's Ripley. And I found it so funny that, like, I. I think they they explained enough about the movie and sort of the things happening to give an explanation for why she like strips down at the end. So her final showdown with Alien, she's in (laughs) her undies basically. But because like they had to get down to that to go into like cryo sleep or whatever. But I still found it very jarring. I was like, why is this happening? (laughs) Especially because like the underwear is so small. Like you I know, you see her arse crack, and you're just like, why? Why is this underwear so small? <laughs> I know, like you, you just established that these are all like working class, like they're not like goody goody people, and then like, why is she wearing almost a thong in a way? It's like, would she really be wearing that? Yeah, so it didn't kind of get rid of the whole slasher thing where we see a lot of you know nudity in the final. <laughs> yeah, they had to shoehorn that in somewhere. It's right. like, well, let's let her get naked here at the end, I guess. <laughs> Um, so would you recommend Alien to horror audiences? I would absolutely recommend Alien. I would rec- I haven't seen all of them. I guess I would recommend the entire series. I want to point out that I frequently hear people mention that they like Aliens, the sequel, more than the first one. Okay. And once I saw Aliens, I think I know why. Yeah. I think people that love action movies love Aliens more. Yeah. Yeah. And horror fans love Alien more because Alien is that Jaws, really slow burn horror film slasher in a way. 
aliens to me felt like starship troopers. Yeah. Uh, there was still yeah. a scary element to it because this is still a very scary creature. And then in that one, we're introduced to the concept of the queen and yeah. all that, which is horrifying. But at the same time, you know, it's Bill Paxton's funny one-liners. We have Jeanette Goldstein playing this awesome badass. You have this wonderful cast of characters, but it's like a shoot 'em up, like Starship Troopers type movie. So I remember being a little disappointed in Aliens because I was expecting more of the same from the first one because I love this one. I, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Aliens is definitely more of a sci-fi action and definitely falls into the same vein as like Predator. Obviously, yeah. it kind of got it connects with Predator because of uh, the the Alien versus Predator. But yeah, it definitely felt more of like they were going to utilize that kick-ass woman um, action hero kind of. Um, yeah, I've, I think I've only seen Aliens once or twice. And the only thing that really sticks out for me is when the little girl's like, they mostly come out at night, mostly. Um, yeah. And that kind, of, <laughs> that kind of sticks out for me. But um, yeah, I... I I've what I've seen Prometheus. I didn't like Prometheus. <laughs> it's like this. Yeah. I just don't. I don't like the way it gave reason to anything. Whereas I think the reason Alien, the film, is so effective is because there is no reason. You're yeah. like, what is this alien doing? What's happening? I have no clue. And it's it's very like ambiguous. Whereas obviously in aliens it gives more of an explanation and in prometheus it's this whole big explanation and backstory and i just i like it when things are a bit more kind of but why (laughs) yeah i think you can really having an explanation doesn't automatically ruin something but it's a lot harder i think to pull off a reason behind something because i think people can be so quick to like oh i i i i I figured that's what it was. I knew that was the story behind this and they can ridicule it a little more easily, but it's definitely always a lot more scary. Kind of like Stu said, or Billy says in Scream, it's like, it's always scary when there's no motive. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to my pick, which I took kind of the other face of science fiction, which is um, kind of man abusing science, as it were. Um so I picked The Fly, which is a 1986 remake of the 1950s, 1950s film of the same name, um, directed and co-written by the body horror master, that is David Cronenberg, um, starring Jeff Goldblum, Jenny Davis and John Getz. Um, it follows um, our scientist, Seth Brundle, which is obviously a play on the Brundle fly, Um, as he begins to turn into a weird human fly hybrid when an experiment goes wrong. Um, Gina Davis's character, Veronica, is a journalist that is kind of shadowing him and finding out what he's doing, and they end up falling in love. Um, And the whole crux of the film happens when she finds out that she is pregnant, and while Seth is going through these horrific transformations, and, yeah he kind of turns into this weird monster thing and that, that is it it's pretty basic um do you like the fly are you a fan of it i am i have to admit something the first time i ever saw the fly was watching it to prepare for this okay good it was my good my first journey into seeing the fly again yeah. similar to alien it's a movie that i had heard about a lot yeah and i think hearing about it so much i knew the basic outline of it mm-hmm. i didn't really know how it ended but i had always heard about just how depressing this movie is yeah. and just yeah. how like terrifying it gets just from the body horror perspective And I could agree with that. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. I I was not prepared for baby Jeff Goldblum. I I just watched, like not too long ago when it was first dropping, which I guess it was now. It's probably over a year now. But uh, Jeff Goldblum had his Disney Plus show, The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Well, so to watch. But, you know, he looks like such a nice silver fox. Like he's aged so well. But I've gotten almost used to older Jeff Goldblum. So going back to like pre-shirtless Jurassic Park Jeff Goldblum, I was like, oh my gosh. I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, it's very strange because like 
like I know him from Jurassic Park and I know him as kind of like, you know, the internet's daddy at the moment. Everyone's yeah. just Goldblum. And then when you go back and you watch this film, you're like, oh, dear God. Like that, no, now I just have that, this image seared into my brain as like Jeff Goldblum falling apart on screen. Um, and it, it, it's horrific. Um, but I I really like The Fly because... Um, as I said, I'm a massive fan of like the Mary Shelley Frankenstein vibe um, of like scientists abusing science and whereas it should be used for the humankind, as you said, it has gone horribly wrong and shit goes south and weird things start to happen. Um, so Jeff Goldblum's character, Seth, he creates these uh, transporter type machines, but he accidentally gets he gets into one one night when he's drunk and kind of like desperate to just further along his experiments. But a brundle fly goes into the machine as well. And this is why he turns into this weird hybrid. Um, but the the thing that really sticks out for me in the fly is this practical effect. Like, as I said, I'm a massive practical effects fan. And the, the makeup um, artist, Chris Wallace, he actually won an Academy Award for his makeup effect. Yeah. Um, and I just, they're so gross. Like there's, I, I would never really usually have visceral reactions to things, but the first time I saw the fly, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you think of the practical effect? I like that. That's what you mentioned about it because I mean, Seth was that way too. He was, <laughs> the, the puking scene in particular, the eating like this. I, I agree with people that say it's such a depressing movie because mm-hmm. You just have the tragic love story element that him and uh, Seth and Veronica had just connected. They were really falling in love, and then that happened. Yeah, because Seth just seemed like such a, I almost like emotionally underdeveloped person. Like he's yeah. brilliant scientist. Obviously, he created this thing that even to this day, no one has even come close to creating themselves. Mm-hmm. But emotionally, like, he's almost immature in a way. Like, he interacts with Veronica and they grow closer. Mm -hmm. But it's like he makes his fatal mistake in a moment of just, like, emotional weakness because he's alone and he's drinking and he knows that Veronica is off visiting her ex. Mm -hmm. Who, gosh, what is it? Stathis or Stathis? How do they pronounce it? Uh, I think his name is, is, no, it's not Tony, is it? I can't remember what his name is. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Or, 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 I don't know. I don't know. It's whatever his character's <laughs> name is. He, it's, um, yeah, the, the crazy ex guy. I might be misremembering the character's name, but he was honestly a very interesting character himself, just like the douchey ex who's just yeah. bursting into her life. But he knows that she's off seeing him, even though she's basically seeing him to tell him, like, look fuck off i don't want to talk to you anymore but he's there he's drinking he's like all upset about that and i think he just feels powerless and he just does it like i'm gonna do this i'm getting this thing right now we're just doing like he didn't even know for sure it was gonna work like he just did it and that led to that fatal mistake of the fly getting in with him which to me is such a human thing like that is the most realistic horror movie moment i've ever seen in my life (laughs) yeah absolutely i completely agree and it's really it's really interesting that like veronica is in the middle of these two men that are both like emotionally stunted. Like her yeah. ex is obsessive, he is possessive, he's like the worst human being ever. Uh-huh. But then she's got Seth, who, because he's thrown himself into his work and his experiments, he doesn't quite know how to act and how to kind of mature like be mature about being in this new relationship. So it's really interesting how she navigates the two men. And really she's just like, fuck off. Like just just fuck off and stop trying to, you know, control me. Um, Which is really interesting when we get onto the later bit where she finds out that she is pregnant, but because she knows what's happening to Seth, she wants an abortion. And she's yeah. very, even though, you know, her ex is like, maybe you should wait, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, no, I want this thing out of me. I don't know what it is. It could be deformed. And I kind of like the way, especially at the moment, like it's very kind of on the nose for what is happening at the moment where it's her choice because it's her body, you know? 
and yeah. she has her reasons for not wanting this child and you know no no other person especially someone who cannot be pregnant should have a choice in that um and i just think it's really sad that she doesn't end up having that choice yeah she it's like she does not need a reason yeah it for why she wants to do that like it's that's her choice and it's they feel so apologetic just knowing the the time is that even today it's such a touchy subject that even especially like the the further back you go everything gets touchier really because people didn't know how to deal with things yeah but there's like her and um the uh, ex-boyfriend them being with that i guess it's supposed to be sort of the doctor character yeah. going there preparing for the abortion and just they're like it, she was with someone who was deformed and they're like trying to like justify it almost because like yeah. there doesn't need to be justification if she does not want this like yeah let her do it yeah exactly um for i kind of i always find that then it touches on that and that's really interesting um but another kind of bodily thing that it touches on obviously with it being cronenberg it couldn't be a Cronenberg without extreme body horror. And yeah. what I read was that he had wanted this to kind of represent aging and perhaps the body failing us, uh, especially in terms of like getting older or perhaps having like cancer or kind of age related diseases. And he really wanted to like heighten that. But because of the time that it came out and the fact that the AIDS epidemic was happening, a lot of people related it back to that. Um, so what did you think of that? Did you relate it to aging or more kind of because of the time age? I guess it could really be seen as both. Mm -hmm. Um, you can, you can pick up more on, I think I really, I mean, I, I think AIDS, I think jumped out at me more for being just such a topical mm -hmm. sort of theme for that time, but just also the, not being not understanding the devastating effects that are happening to your body and being so horrified by them and want support and wanting to be there for those that are afflicted by it but at the same time being so horrified of them yeah. that you feel like you can't be near them and i also like the fact that you can even factor in the fact that seth when he starts to realize and he even warns veronica like yeah. i don't think you should come back here like if you come back here, i'm going to hurt you yeah. because like the insect is winning it goes into like even someone with aids who might have been that no, doctors didn't understand nobody understood this horrible disease this horrible virus to the fact that they they would probably resort to having to tell their loved ones i love you but you cannot come near me mm -hmm. because i might hurt you yeah um and i think just even with you know even when it came to like he has a one night stand and you know even when veronica becomes pregnant even that could be seen as like contracting because it's yep. actually transmitted disease it could be seen as like a symbolism of that and it's just i think even though it is a disgusting body horror like it is a bit where he's like picking off his fingernail like oh. it's cringe and like it's disgusting but what makes it such a great horror is that it's so fucking sad at the same time. Like, to think about having to see someone that you love whose body is, like, eating away at them and transforming them into something that is, like, unrecognisable and you can't go to them and you can't help them because you don't know what's going on and you don't know whether you could get hurt as well. And it's just, it's just so heartbreaking. And I think yeah. Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum play it fantastically oh they did so well the, the chemistry between them was i'd almost say magnetic like yeah. they were such a good couple together and you really i think it it was so necessary for them to have such a connection because otherwise you would have spent the whole movie like like why are you going back to this fly dude like yeah. just ditch him like this is yeah. horrifying like leave this guy to just rot and turn into yeah. his fly but you didn't want him to like every time she went back you're like oh thank god she's coming back yeah. And even like you see the scene, I think it's the first time she sees him do this puking thing with eating and she still hugs him. Like he's got that shit all over him. He's got, he looks like, he looks like the thing from like Fantastic Four. Like he looks hideous, but she still comes up and like flat out hugs the dude. 
and then just he's so even at the end when he morphs with half the half the other pod and is just this mewling thing on the floor and he even has enough like a little bit of sentience left to grab the shotgun and point it to his head. Like he can't even yeah. say like, kill me, but he's begging her and she still almost can't do it. She's like, yeah. he's like a mass of writhing flesh and weird creature on the floor. And she still can't even bring herself to shoot him because she loves him that much. Yeah, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, so what do you think of a lot with a lot of these kind of science fiction films, AKA man versus science, what do you think of the message that perhaps um, humans shouldn't be messing with science when we're not fully aware of what it can do? As a science teacher, of course. <laughs> <laughs> there are many ethical issues in science. I think that a lot of issues that we call quote-unquote ethical issues come down to a lot of people's I, don't, I can't, I might butcher this word, presuppositions. It's things that people have believed their whole life. And I think those type of things can hold back the world from becoming a better place. Mm-hmm. It, you think about like the stem cell debate and how mm-hmm. stem cell research could give such a benefit to so many people. And it could get us further down the road to curing certain ailments that kill mm-hmm. so many people. But it's such a hot issue because that is something where people have latched on to that as, my God, you're killing babies doing this. Yeah. And you once you attach that to it, and the same thing with the abortion debate, yeah. when, you, when you throw those old like heartstring labels to it, mm-hmm. you're wrecking so much of what could be a better world because you're clinging to these things. So I think that really... It's such a powerful theme because we've all experienced it. And it's, uh, and it's not a decision because so many people, like, I don't know people's particular beliefs and everybody has their own opinions, their own stance on big mm-hmm. issues like abortion. But even someone like myself, I'm 100% pro-choice. I think that is never a decision that should be made by anybody except whoever is being affected by that decision. Yeah. But, you as rational as that sounds to me if i turned around and told someone who is as pro-life as i don't know ronald reagan or some other figure you want to stick in there you try to tell them that and that is the literal equivalent of me telling them i want to murder 15 babies today yeah and it's just there's like no debating it mm-hmm. and it, it's such a tough subject to tackle because you have such a divided emotional response to it and there's so much room for horror in those divides of that. Yeah. I always think like, you know, obviously I'm a scientific mind and I I believe in stem cell research and I think that it's yeah. something that is going to be and is greatly beneficial to us um, yeah. as humans and development of humans. Is there a possibility that science could go too far? Absolutely. I've seen all the scientific sci-fi horror. It's like I've seen Reanimator several times. I know exactly Mm -hmm. like that there are scientists out there who want to beat death or, you know, be able to bring back the dead. Like as fantastical Mm -hmm. as it sounds, just like aliens, it could be a possibility. And that is slightly scary. Yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just the, the threat of it existing, even as minute as it is, can still give you pause. Yeah. It's like, I would love to transport and be able to teleport from one place mm-hmm. to another. And because I was going to mention about Seth, the whole, he jokes that the whole reason he came up with his, excuse me, come up with his teleportation and his pods was because he hates vehicles. He hates traveling. Um, but just the fact that something like that can open the door for something like a fly humanoid to occur. It's like, it, it's scary stuff. Yeah. Uh, so would you recommend the fly to horror fans? I think the fly is absolutely required viewing for yeah. horror fans because it, I had not seen it until preparing for this. And I'm so glad I did because it's on my list because I've always considered myself a movie person. But there's so many movies on my list of movies that I have not seen that are probably very embarrassing to admit. And to me, being a horror, especially a horror movie person, The Fly being on my I haven't seen list, same with Alien. Mm -hmm. Like, I've not seen The Fly. I've not seen Alien. Like, I've got to fix this. So being able to see it was like, 
fantastic and I can't recommend it more. Yeah. Usually I ask, okay, so which one out of the two would you pick for someone who was like, I want to watch a sci-fi horror? But I kind of feel like you have to watch them both. Like a good double bill, I think, um, yep. when you take the two sides of sci-fi horror, I think. Um, I wouldn't be able to choose between the two of them. It would be a very tough choice. It's it's almost like a threat from without versus a threat from within. Like even though the alien has still a within element to it, yeah. it's still we're being stalked by some alien creature versus mm-hmm. what if the alien creature is your husband? Yeah. So there's there's such a deeper like it's it, they're both very emotional. They're both it's like different stories, but they have so much of the same things going on with them. Yeah. So I would a double bill would be good. Yeah. Um. So. A bit of a tough question here. What do you think is the future of sci-fi horror? I think we're going to get hit with so many pandemic quarantine movies coming out in the next years, decades, and so on that we're just going to be so sick of it. And it, <laughs> we don't know where this is going because like, we thought for like a split second that things were getting back to normal and, hey, let's all... like You've been seeing like commercials and theaters opening back up and like we're getting back to normal everything's fine and then delta variant shows up and so this could be ongoing for years and years so we don't know what a normal future will look like but i think the future of science fiction is all going to be based on i think we are so set for science fiction horror in the future because we're seeing it in our lives we are seeing a world where people for about a few months time all united around the concept of we need to stay home to try to get a handle on this. And once we barely did that, and I say barely because there were still people probably in the midst of like the main, like early 2020 quarantine period of like, by God, I'm not doing this. And I do that voice a lot because I live in the Southern U S which does not have a good reputation. And it's a hundred percent earned because I'm Mm -hmm. surrounded by people like that Mm -hmm. all day, every day. But they held it together for a few months and then when finally let up just a little bit said, all right, we're back out in the world, throwing our masks away. Life is back to normal. Actually, it's not uh, the Delta variant survived. People are still dying. It's still just as bad. Nope. We already said Mm -hmm. back to normal. We're going back to normal. And so it's like, we're set for science fiction in the future because we have seen humanity unite for a brief time and then get tired of uniting yeah. for the greater good and they just stopped. Yeah, that's I, I honestly completely agree with you there. I think that is going to be the fuel, the spine of future sci-fi horror. Um, I'm just hoping they don't do the, the typical pandemic outbreak yeah. films. I, I, you know, I, hope, I hope they're a bit more inventive with it. Um, so before we go, I know you said that it was your favorite horror film, um, yep. but what is your, your second favorite horror film, or perhaps second. a horror film that scared you the most? Scared me the most. Um, I, I think I'm going to give two options. I'm going to give one that scared me as a kid versus one I think that scares me a lot now. Yeah. Of uh, when I was a kid, a movie that scared me a lot was The Exorcist. And and I'm not gonna lie and say it doesn't scare me now. Like that is a very freaky movie, but yeah. something about when I was a kid, I was petrified of that movie. Mm-hmm. Like I saw it again, probably when I was a little too young to watch that and really yeah. understand a lot of what was happening. But it was so scary. I can watch The Exorcist now and be pretty fine. It was just one that just held the fear button down on my yeah. heart when I was yeah. a youngster. But a movie that has had almost the same effect on me since I've been grown, like to the point of I'm scared to turn off the lights Mm -hmm. as I'm going to bed at night was I would say probably hereditary from 2018. That one, for some reason, just the tone of it and everything that they accomplished in that movie, like had me afraid to walk through my dark house to like get water out of the fridge. And the exorcist did that to me when I was younger and hereditary did that to me as a, I think I saw hereditary for the first time. It was before quarantine i think it might have been 2019 so like the year after it came out yeah but as a yeah. I, in 2019 i think i was 28 29 years mm-hmm. old so that was 29 year old scared to walk through the house at night <laughs> so would you say that perhaps like demon or possession horror is kind of like that's what gets you um 
I would have said that at a time, but I think the it's been done so much lately. And I think that was, I think ever since really paranormal activity came out and became such a phenomenon because we would, we had coasted through the torture side of the Saw franchise and how it brought that to the forefront. And I think paranormal activity becoming such a smash hit and it was followed not too like it was not far behind that was things like insidious. And then you had the conjuring universe mm. started. I think that's been really Hollywood's horror button of the last few years to the point that it's not doing it for me anymore, but for a time. Yeah. I, I would say that was my scare point was the, yeah. the possession stuff. Yeah, it's great. Thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast and chatting about sci-fi. I have an absolute blast being here. Thank you so much for having me. So that was my chat there with Dylan McFry about sci-fi horror, and in particular we discuss Ridley Scott's Alien, as well as David Cronenberg's remake of The Fly. So what did you think of this week's episode? Do you think I am completely wrong when it comes to um, outer space horror or are you more along my lines of you know I I think medical body Frankenstein-esque sci-fi is amazing and way better than that alien shit um (laughs) I know I'm gonna I'm gonna upset a lot of people by saying that but I don't care um so yes tell me what you thought about this week's episode uh let me know on twitter at what underscore scream or on facebook and instagram at what a scream podcast and don't forget that whatever podcast platform you're listening to me on to give us a little rating or a review because that would just make my Christmas do it as a Christmas present for me thank you thanks guys um so I hope wherever you are you are enjoying the festive season to come whatever holiday you um celebrate and if you don't celebrate if you don't like the festive season then I hope you are uh taking care of yourself and trying not to let it all bother you don't put too much pressure on yourself this festive season you it's just a holiday it's not that important. Um, so yes, as always, stay horrific. Goodbye.